Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Beyonce Giselle Knowles-Carter is the world's greatest living performer. I will not be entertaining any other opinions at this time. Oh my God, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Oh my God, guys. Did you What's up, everybody? My name is Jake Workman, and this is Oh My Pod, You Guys, a musical theater and pop culture podcast. And you guys, uh, you guys, this weekend, I got to see the Renaissance World Tour, starring none other than the queen herself, Miss Beyonce. The show was at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey, and when I tell you that this was the best concert I have ever seen, I... I cannot emphasize it enough. I am not over-exaggerating. You guys, this show is incredible. If you have the opportunity to see it, it will change your life. The live vocals, the visuals, the dancing, the production value, the community, you guys. That, I think, was honestly my favorite part of the entire thing, was that everyone who was there was there to celebrate each other and to celebrate love and music and Beyonce and everyone was like complimenting each other's outfits and like, yes, diva work hunty. It was, it was just so, so magical. So if you have the chance, run to the Renaissance World Tour. Also, you guys, before I dive into this week's Broadway World recap, I have to tell you that I also got to see Hadestown and Titanic for the fifth time this week. And you guys, both of these shows just hold up like no other. I truly think Titanic is my my new favorite show. It's just brilliant. It's so, so funny and it's so self-referential and just delicious. But I've seen it with many iterations of people and casting and I was so lucky to catch Miss Carrie St. Louis, friend of the pod, back in the show for a few weeks as Rose. And they have a new leading lady as Celine Dion, Miss Jackie Burns, who may or may not be appearing on this pod at some point soon. So keep your eyes peeled for that announcement, but you gotta see the show and you have to see it with this cast. It's incredible. And Hades Town at the Walter Kerr Theater. You guys, this show shook me. I'd seen it once before pre-pandemic, so it had been a long, long time. But the exciting thing about seeing it again now was that my friend, Miss Lilius White, I can't even believe that I get to say that she is my friend, but Lilius White is currently playing Hermes and she makes the show. Obviously, incredible performances by Reeve Carney, Eva Noblezada, all of the fates were beautiful. Another friend of mine, Mr. Tom Hewitt, my very first Billy Flynn on Broadway, was Hades. You guys, the show was incredible, but seeing Lilius White sing this score and bring this role to life, 
I can't even compare it to anything. It was incredible. So while you still can, run to the Walter Kerr to catch Lilius White as Hermes in Town. And you guys, with that, we gotta dive right into this week's Broadway World Recap, brought to you by my amazing partners at broadwayworld.com. First, you guys, we have to talk about an article with broadwayworld.com featuring our very own special guest this episode, Miss Alexis Michelle. Alexis had the opportunity to sit down with broadwayworld.com and talk about how Fosse, Bernadette Peters, and Annie paved her way to Drag Race. And you guys, there's so much more about Alexis that I can't wait to share with you in my interview, but also check out this interview on broadwayworld.com. It's wonderful and it has some beautiful photos of Alexis. Next, you guys, we have to talk about the opening night of MJ the Musical on tour. This show has been a smash hit on Broadway and now they have embarked on a national tour and a dear friend of mine, Mr. Jamal Fields Green, will be playing the MJ alternate. So he'll be on twice a week, every week of this tour. And you guys, I had the opportunity to see him do it on Broadway and it was out of this world. So I'm so glad that he gets to show off his stuff across the country with this amazing show. And who knows, perhaps he might even be making an appearance on this very podcast. You never know. <laughs> but congratulations to Jamal and Roman Banks and the entire company of the national tour of MJ on opening. And break a leg with this tour. Next, you guys, I'm so excited to share that it was just announced that the Kennedy Center production of Spamalot the Musical will be transferring to Broadway this fall. The show features an incredible cast led by Alex Brightman, James Monroe Iglehart, Leslie Kritzer, Rob McClure, and Michael Yuri. You guys, this is gonna be crazy. I was bummed that I wasn't gonna get to see it in DC and now I get to see it on Broadway in New York City. So preview performances will begin October 31st at the St. James Theater and tickets go on sale to the general public on August 9th. And lastly, you guys, it was just announced that the new musical adaptation of The Notebook with music by Ingrid Michaelson will arrive on Broadway in spring of 2024. The show, which had its out-of-town tryout at the Chicago Shakespeare Theater, is led by Joy Woods and Ryan Vasquez, two incredible performers. And with music by Ingrid Michaelson, I just, I have such high hopes for this production. So preview performances begin February 6th, and you know I will be there. And you guys, this has been the Broadway World Recap. Oh my pod, you guys, I am so excited to welcome my next guest to the show. They are an international drag superstar and musical theater extraordinaire. Please welcome Miss Alexis Michelle, AKA Alex Michaels. Hi. Welcome to the show. Can you tell me where you're calling from? I'm calling in today from sunny California, Los Angeles. Uh, Los Angeles. The Valley to be specific. Mm, would you say the West Coast is the best coast? Listen, listen, that's not. <laughs> I'm already putting her in the hot seat. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm obviously, I'm a native New Yorker, born and raised. So like that is home. It's familiar. Um, there is something to be said for stepping out in the California sunshine to start your day. It oh, is absolutely. I am in New York City, and let me tell you, it is a sweat festival at all times. It's so awful. So, <laughs> But here's the thing. I sweat in all seasons. So, like, I'd rather. 
I'd rather sweat in the summer than like have like sweat running down my back under my like big puffy coat. Yeah, <laughs> ribbons down my back, precisely. Yeah. So. I am so excited to have you on the show. Obviously, I have been a fan of yours for quite some time. You are obviously a veteran of the RuPaul's Drag Race franchise and have made a beautiful name for yourself in and out of the drag community. But I also know that you have a long history with the art of the theater. And I would love to hear your connection to it because I know that you um, you studied musical theater at one of the top programs in the entire country, University of Michigan. How did you get your start and your your passion for theater and performing? So I would say that the overall general love of performing came first from movie musicals. I, I saw like, you know, there are a handful of my favorite movie musicals from a very young age, but I think I saw really before I started attending live theater. And so there was already this sort of you know, sort of put it in the wing focus on these dynamo women, these female mm-hmm. powerhouses. Carol Burnett, Judy Garland, um, Audrey Hepburn in My Fair Lady, and then, you know, was crushed when I learned that that was not her singing, but then <laughs> I, I learned about Marnie Nixon, so it was okay, and I got over it, and you know, <laughs> Marnie and Audrey. Um, and, uh you know, Bernadette Peters, also from the Annie film. And so then when I saw the original production of Into the Woods uh, starring Bernadette Peters, it rocked my world on many levels. First, I was like, wait, I know her from the movies. And that that show changed my life. That's the reason that I wanted to be a professional actor. And I've been saying I wanted to be a professional actor since, since then. I was five. Wow. So, so the theater has always been there. Okay, but true story, Jake. Um, I like to say Into the Woods was the first show I saw on Broadway, but the true story is it was cats. <laughs> yes! Thank God. <laughs> which I love, yeah, which I love. Like, oh, we, love we love an absolutely. One Piece. We love... 100%. Yeah, we love the, it. The Rum Tum Tugger was absolutely my sexual awakening, so I can connect... Hello. There. Yeah. <laughs> and I think from there, I started, I think I took my first acting class in f- around first grade, believe it or not. I had uh, friends that I was in school with who were also pursuing performing arts from a young age. And um, sort of by introduction from uh, their mom to my mom, I started in this acting class. So when it really shifted, when it really became serious, was probably eighth grade. I want to say, well, eighth grade might have been the last year that I played competitive sports. Um, <laughs> after that, there was no extracurricular anything other than performing arts focus. Mm-hmm. So, and would you say that your your proximity to Broadway and being, you know, a New York City kid influenced the way that you approached the arts and and uh, yeah, and I would and and I would say it that way. I would say the arts in general because I grew up in museums, in theaters, at the opera, ballet. So for me, it was a really well-rounded introduction and education 
in New York, or the beginning of my education in New York, growing up in New York City. Wow. Um, but, and of course, you know, it's exceptional in that way. Uh, but to me, it was like my normal, that was my normal growing up in New York City. So, of course. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I started attending the theater at a young age and it just, I was hooked. Hooked as, as that theater bug bites, you gotta just do it. Well, that, that's so amazing that you were so fortunate to get to see so much art and culture from yeah. such a young age, because I've spoken to many people on the pod who, you know, they had to get up and out of their situations in order to fully spread their wings and, you know, learn about arts and culture and what, what theater means. Um, so that's just amazing. But I would love to hear about the crossover between your experience as a drag artist and what it means to be a musical theater performer, because I also identify as a non-binary person. I use any pronouns and I um, am in and out of lots of audition rooms where I'm asked to do many different things. I play Mary Sunshine on Broadway. So that is a full drag element of the theater world, but then there's so much else that I'm expected to be able to do. So I'd love to hear how you um, experience that, that the sort of Venn diagram of Alexis Michelle as a drag queen and Alex Michaels as just a musical theater performer. So I'm actually going to start with uh, tipping the hat to you um, because I, of course, know um, about your fabulous gig on Broadway in Chicago. Chicago oh. is one of, is sort of as foundational and important and significant in my both theatrical career and my drag career. Mm. Um, because it's just one of my favorite shows. It's, it's a wonderful show. Obviously the score, obviously the book, and of mm -hmm. course the movement vocabulary of Fosse. Yes. And when I saw the revival in high school, it was a, a choreographer's vocabulary had never spoken to me in that way. And I would say that that had more impact on how I developed and learned to move my body in any capacity, but especially in drag. Um, yeah. As well as it was really foundational in my aesthetic. I am very, very happy, very happy girl in a little black dress, a pair of studs, a red lipstick. <laughs> There, I just, you know, described the cast of Chicago. And, right. <laughs> and it really, that simplicity, that understated elegance, that sex appeal. Um, and of course, a, a little black dress, always right. Mm. Um, so the interesting thing about Chicago, I love the show. It had this sort of like drag influence. And not just because there's this role, Mary Sunshine, in the show, actually, when I started with my first voice teacher, she had me uh, doing vocalises in falsetto. And I was like, why do you have me doing this? I don't get this. <laughs> and she's like, you know, there are some people who make careers out of singing in their falsetto. Mm -hmm. And then I saw Chicago and I was like, oh, I do. <laughs> um, so there were a lot of layers for me about why Chicago was so important. And it's sort of representative of how I walk that line in, in other areas, sort of straddling the two. Um, so when I saw that, that was in my first two years of high school when I was at LaGuardia, um, right behind Lincoln Center. 
Mm-hmm. And my last years of high school, I attended Interlochen in Northern Michigan. Yes. And, and it was, uh, you know, and then from there, I went on to University of Michigan to study musical theater. And I would say definitely at Interlochen, because it was boarding school, it's a, an arts boarding school, there was... Mm-hmm. A, um, there were a lot of rules, don't get me wrong, but there was also a certain amount of freedom in being away from your family. And so any shyness or reservation I might have had about really expressing myself in drag during those two years at Interlochen was really sort of made more free. And even though I didn't see a ton of crossover potential other than a role like Mary Sunshine, my wealth of knowledge just wasn't as wide. Um, I would say, and, and even when I went to Michigan, I did continue to kind of like dabble. At Interlochen, it was sort of like we obviously Halloween, the gateway drug of drag. Uh, <laughs> but, but winter formal, prom, we, you know, we went, we went to a few of these like big school events in drag. Um, but at Michigan is when I really started to develop a side-by-side thing with drag. Um, I competed in my first um, pageant in Detroit while I was studying in Ann Arbor. And and I hosted these cabarets, these student-run and produced cabarets. Uh, each one had a different theme. And I remember... I was on student council and I remember saying like, these things aren't well attended. They need a through line. Like we need to shake these up. And I was like, I'm going to host them in drag. That's what <laughs> and then anything's going to have a theme. So I started hosting these cabarets. I started performing in drag clubs in Detroit and that was a wonderfully expressive time, but I still was concerned about how I might be pigeonholed if I let that cat out of the bag. And so upon returning to NYC, my home from Ann Arbor, I really sort of like put, not not put it away for good, but like separated Alex Uh and Alexis. And over the years, particularly as I started to audition for Drag Race, that's when I became more um, comfortable little by little, more comfortable expressing, letting more people know that this was something that I did and was passionate about. And um, and what's interesting is at that time when I came back here and I had been so separate, it's really the antithesis of where I've ended up as far as how I identify in mm-hmm. the same kind of fluid and non-binary way that you do. Um, Drag has helped me learn a lot about myself and my gender identity, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, and and I think that, like, while I had been so separate, I think that the art form of drag, especially the way I do it, and the art of <laughs> are so synonymous. Absolutely. And I, I'm so, like, happy for you, and, and I think that we could all say that we're so lucky that you were able to find that strength and that comfort in sort of meshing the two worlds together again because that was part of the reason why so many of us fell in love with you on Drag Race was because of your incredible live performance talent. I mean, there are queens who don't do that and you are one who obviously has just like 
broken through the barriers and said, I'm going to stomp down the runway in my Leducas and <laughs> sing live. And it's just, it's so exciting to see not only on TV, but also just to know that there are queens like you out in this community who are using their actual talent and their skills and their training to the way that they want to use them. And um, I'd love to know, like, did you have um, a good experience at the University of Michigan outside of the world of drag? How, how was that training um, and how has that informed how you perform now? The short answer is time of my life. Mm. Um, but I also feel that I kind of started the process that a lot of people do when they study it a university. I kind of started that my junior year of high school when I went to boarding school. It was the first time living in a dorm with a roommate, not at home mm-hmm. with family. That is so crazy because I had the same exact experience. I was also a junior in high school when I went to arts boarding school. So I feel that so hard of like, it was earlier than most people's experience. You, you start that detachment from home life. You start that growing up process a little bit earlier. So I will say that the, and Interlochen is a special place. I had been there for four summers before going to two years of school. And I met friends there that I'm still very tied to and close with. Um, similarly, when I went to Michigan, I made a core group of people that have stayed with me this whole time. Um, and I remember both of my brothers before I left college were like, Soak up every minute. It's going to be the time of your life. And I, you know, <laughs> there was something to it. There was something magical. I had this rich upbringing in New York in in culture, but for me, what was special about going to boarding school and going to Ann Arbor was I got uh, both a sort of like cloistered, woodsy arts vibe, and then a real, true, authentic college town. So. It was a very complete experience for me. And um, yeah, Michigan was very, very special, very special. I credit um, I credit all the institutions I've been to for my education with who I am as a, as a performer and in part a person, but um, Michigan was really a big part of that. And, my, and the community that I found there was a big part of that. That's amazing. I have many, many friends who have gone through that program, the Michigan program, and also, you know, similar BFA programs all over the country. And I think that um, it's exciting that more and more people are seeing that it is a viable career path and not just falling into the trope of the starving artist, the, oh, you know, that's not really worth the training or whatever. It's like, oh, no, no, we, this is our job. This is not just something that I like to do. I am good at this. This can be my job. And it has been for you because you have done national tours. You have done off-Broadway shows, um, which is so exciting. And I think I would also just love to hear about your own personal um, music that you have created, produced by the wonderful Brandon James Gwynn, who I adore. Um, but tell me, your, your album, Love Fool, from 2018, that was your debut album? Yes, my debut album, uh, Brandon and I pulled from uh, our first year of shows together, which was a pretty wide array of music. I mean, at this point, we have enough music for probably a dozen shows. Um, but yes. that, was, 
that was after the first year of us working together as cabaret collaborators. And I really wanted it to feel like the albums that I used to listen to of like our Broadway divas. You know, this is like a Kristen Chenoweth album or a Christine Ebersole album or, uh, you know, maybe some of the lighter fare that Audra recorded. I mean, certainly Way Back to Paradise was much more um, contemporary than some of her recordings after that. But um, I wanted this to be like, well, Alexis Michelle, Broadway leading lady, this is her her debut album. And so then to have Broadway records show interest and put it on the label was very, very special. Um, and just, you know, one further step toward Broadway adjacent for me. <laughs> Hell yeah. And I would say you absolutely achieved that because every track is that old New York big band sound and your Broadway vocals. I mean, come on. And then I think to sort of look at that in the context of where we are right now, having just come off of the end of All-Stars 8 um, and getting to perform another, an original Brandon James Gwynn song, if you want my yes. for the talent show, um, was both very special for me and Brandon and very special for me because I'd been waiting to perform live in that capacity on Drag Race since the beginning. I remember when I came back from filming season nine, my mom was like, please tell me you got to sing. And I was like, mm, don't hold your breath. Um, <laughs> so it was a really, it was a wonderful full circle moment. And it's just a great tune. You know, I had said to Brandon, oh, I want to do like something like Let Me Entertain You. I want to sing. I want to be funny. I want to show some, some movement. Like I want to, I want to do it all in one minute. And Brandon was the person who encouraged me to go out and write an original rather than like trying to get the rights to let me entertain you. And I'm so mm -hmm. glad. And then uh, when I made my Joe's Pub debut in June, we also debuted a second Brandon James Gwynn original called Blue Loose Shoes. And it's a little campy, a lot of fun, and I think very sincere um, and speaks a lot to my experience with what the art form of drag has provided me. Like I said, the freedom, the expression. Um, and I, it's funny, now I'm like literally just thinking of this as a parallel as we're talking about it, that um, there's something like akin to Daphne's art in Some Like It Hot on Broadway now. <laughs> yes. Starring our Tony winning friend, Jay Carson Heath. Um, yes. There's just, I, I love the updates that they made in Some Like It Hot because um, getting to see an artist uh, do a role that reflects their own authenticity was really, really moving. Um, mm -hmm. I, I imagine you've gotten a chance to see it at this point. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I just think it's a special moment. Um, for all of us. Absolutely. And I think it's so um, exciting to see the ways in which the trans and non-binary community, both, you know, in the world of drag and out of the world of drag, are able to bring themselves to this sort of sometimes archaic way of thinking in the world of musical theater. And um, we were so lucky to have Angelica Ross um, 
play Roxy Hart on Broadway. And yes, hallelujah. And she turned it out, obviously. We knew she was going to, but she brought such grace and um, wisdom to a show that has been running for so, so long. And she actually um, went to the producers about a specific moment in the show when Mary Sunshine is revealed to have not been this, you know, woman the whole time. And um, she said, I think we need to change this. I think that this is this has been done a certain way for a long, long time, but um, it needs to be a self-reveal because if someone else is ripping the wig off and tearing off the clothes, we're outing something and sending a different message than it would be if Mary Sunshine were to pull off her own wig and expose her own underclothes. And they were so responsive to it. And so I'm just like, I'm so excited that there are these people like Jay Harrison Gee and Angelica Ross and hopefully you and I that can bring our sort of actual identities and experience into the world of musical theater and shake things up a little bit and change it for the better because that's what we all want. I think we're seeing it across a lot of the performing arts um, on, on screen um, as well as on stage that um, the, the authenticity that comes with experience in, in the world uh, is something that's a value to people and that um, that that people respond strongly to in in our in our pieces um, so I think it's I think it's something that we're obviously seeing a lot of progress in and I think we'll continue I think we still have a ways to go totally but yes, it's an exciting year you now with Tony wins for Jay and for Alex in yes just so much to celebrate incredible Truly. Well, I would love to hear um, the inspiration behind your own one-person show, Alexis I Am. You are sort of like a notorious cabaret star of 54 Below. Would you tell me how you went about creating a show like that? Well, so truthfully, Alexis I Am was the show that we put together in my second year of residency at 54 Below. Mm-hmm. Um and what was interesting about that one was it was um, it was meditative. Um, I have a very simple mantra that I used to use, and on an inhale I would say I, and on the exhale I'd say am, and that was it, just I am. And so that's where that title came from, and it had to do with sort of where I was at and having entered into the world through the drag race lens, in 2017, and uh, I took up a meditation practice, which is really what inspired um, inspired the whole show and a lot of the material that we pulled. Now, since then, I've done a lot of different shows. Um, that that one <laughs> may have been the heaviest as far as having a message. Sure. Um, but I encouraged people to like take a moment to breathe. I I walked people through. A breathing in in that show. Uh, <laughs> it was a very different experience to the debut I just made at Joe's Pub, which was so awesome. I mean, I, I've gotten to perform at Upcoming and many times at 54 Below, which is these are just some of the most special spaces in the city for cabaret. But for me, there was again a real full circle timing of making the Joe's Pub debut this year and while All Stars was happening, 
because my first dreams of wanting to do a one lady cabaret were born at Ghost Pub. Absolutely. It, probably more than 20 years ago, I saw my first show there and it, it um, was a wonderful uh, Brooklyn born singer named Morley. And it was, it, was, it, was, it was lovely, but I remember watching it and just getting the wheels. I was like, it just it started a long time ago and that's where it was born so um getting to let my voice bounce off the walls of any space in the public theater was very meaningful um, absolutely i've seen some incredible theater at the public over the years and some incredible cabaret and other music performance at the pub over the years um i mean my Truly, one of my greatest cabaret inspirations um, is the luminous Justin Bedeen Bond, who is a real pioneer in authenticity uh-huh. and in bridging the gap between kind of like queer fringe art and mainstream commercial Broadway runs. Um, so, seeing Justin Bedeen Bond's shows at the pub in particular has been one of the greatest sources of inspiration. And then I saw South Carolina Change of Public, which to me is one of the most important shows written in my lifetime. Oh, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. Wow. Well, I just am so in awe of of you and the work that you do. And I hope and pray that Sooner than later, you get to make your star turn on the Broadway. Um, but I would love to hear about the tour that you are going to embark on very soon. So we are uh, piecing together some dates for that Joe's Pub show that mm. opened. Um, but separate from that, this October, uh, Tina Burner, Scarlet Envy, Blake Allen, and I will be hitting the road again with Witch Perfect. I, we, we did, we did Witch Perfect last year, of course, and I said, Tina, you know, I will do this every year for my career. It was such a joyful experience. Um, the show that Tina and Blake wrote is funny, and you get. For music lovers, there's everything. Tina delivers Broadway villain material. Scarlett does your favorite pop songs, but jazzy. And I give you all the theater, like all of it. Um, all of that Broadway diva. When we had our first read through for the show, I was like, Tina, what are you doing? She gave me like all 11 o'clock numbers. <laughs> Girl, what torch songs she said you can handle this that's why i gave it to you and you know she's right it was it was a challenge and the tour schedule was very demanding but it was um it was worth the effort and the time um it was just so rewarding and i have to say there's a particular gift that comes with touring with fellow artists as opposed to what sometimes, you know, post-drag race you do when you're traveling to nightclubs is travel alone. So it's a real gift to be able to do this with sisters that you, like, really drive with. 
Um, and like I said, the show is just amazing. So we've just announced um, the near complete schedule. There might be a couple additions, but it's a near complete schedule uh, with just a few US states, but then Canada and as well as the UK. Yes, <laughs> taking it global, honey. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm so excited to, uh, to be able to catch this show because I have never been able to see you perform live. I've obviously caught countless videos of you performing. Your uh, iconic Into the Woods witch reveal will live on <laughs> forever. That was, that was really kind of the thing that put me on the map before Drag Race. Mm -hmm. um, I remember people like Willem reaching out to me in my DMs and that just like sent me and I was like, ah! <laughs> um, but yeah, that was obviously, that was definitely a big moment. But I would also add about this year's Witch Perfect Tour is that if you happen to catch it before, um, there's going to be a bunch of new surprises. And <gasps> oh. so you, you might need to come check it out again. And, even if there wasn't, you could come back again. It's it's right. back. <laughs> so good. But there 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 is gonna be some new stuff this time. Hell yeah. Oh my gosh. Well I can't wait to to have the listeners hear this and get the word out. Um but I would love to ask you too about obviously having a platform like having been on RuPaul's Drag Race, specifically with the newest season of, of All Stars Eight, um, and you know, the world sort of getting to see your iconic snatch game performances as both Liza Minnelli and B. Arthur. You sort of have created that image, you know, for yourself of like the old school Broadway divas and how you appreciate and love them so much. But I would love to know if there is a world in which you would accept an opportunity to perform in a show, either a play or a musical or whatever, um, not in drag if there is a world where the line between alex and alexis does hold strong and you say yeah i'd like to try my hand at playing something that doesn't have to do with gender or makeup or anything like that yeah it, well the interesting thing is that like i said before when there was this like separating of drag and theater mm -hmm. um, i didn't realize how um seamless my drag persona if you will and my non-drag persona work and over the years i've come to learn that they're really one and the same and it's just different expressions like often said that alexis is my female side and i do feel that way yeah. um and so in that way in the way that i think probably all people are on some kind of spectrum and it's just a matter of where they identify on that spectrum and what they're comfortable expressing on that spectrum. Um, so for me, getting to play authentic roles has a wide range of expression. Mm -hmm. And I was so thrilled during the pandemic when you know, our lives were like, what's going on? Um, I got to make my network debut doing a guest star on Blue Bloods and that was out of drag. Um, interestingly, I auditioned and booked it in drag, hmm. and upon being cast, the, the team came back and said, you know, actually the scene takes place in the bar during the day, we don't think she'd be in drag. Um, 
would they be willing to do it out of drag? And I said, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Because for me, I don't feel a difference necessarily. I mean, yes, different characters, 100%. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, in that particular instance, I was playing a queer character. Um, and the way I spoke would have been the same way I would have spoken had I been in drag. So right. there was a real kind of natural blend there. But I also am intrigued by playing parts. Um, I really like, you know, darker, darker roles. Um, I like mm-hmm. a little, a little something extra. And so there are all sorts of roles that can take me further away from myself too, that I can still find bits of myself in. So yes, there's absolutely a wide range of, um, of the kind of work that I'd, I'd love to do. Ultimately, it's always been about um, telling stories and and too, frankly, there is something even more important to me about impacting impacting the lives of young people in a positive way. When I think about what the theater meant to me, when I think about what Seeing Into the Woods meant to me, if I can provide that to any young person and say, hey, look, look what you can do, look at this, and look at how this uh, will enrich your life and enrich the world, that that feels like really significant and worthwhile to me. A hundred percent. And I think I'm, I'm excited to see where the trajectory of casting starts to head, because I know that when I step into an audition room, people can sometimes be confused because I have my nails and my mustache and they're like, okay, this role isn't a drag queen. It's also not necessarily a cis male. So what are we doing here? Like, where do you think you're, (laughs) you're landing? And I'm excited to hopefully just expand the minds of the people behind the table because I know that obviously if I'm going to play a character that is cis male, I might probably not be wearing my nails on stage. But if, if the people behind the table can't have the imagination to see me with or without my mustache, if I'm auditioning for a woman, you know, it's just very, it's all sort of layered and confusing, but I'm, I'm seeing the pathway open up for more gender fluid and more like open casting. I think you're absolutely right. I, we, we are in a moment of, of, of shift, shifting, you know, plates moving. It is, I do, I do see it going forward. Um, even with work left to do. And, and I think what's, what can be a surprise is um, showbiz, the arts, but showbiz in particular can be a bit binary. Um, I think as theater children, we're like, oh, I'm gonna go into the theater. It's gonna be so so free from boundaries. And, you know, and it, it, right. it, it has been in its history, a rather binary space. And I think we've seen tremendous progress. And, I don't know about you, but it lights me up in a way that I never thought, like that musical theater kid who thought he couldn't show casting directors in New York the drag that they did. Yep. Um, the fact that I walk into one of our audition studios where we go in platform boots and a black shift dress from H&M, <sighs> And, and my jewelry that I wear every day, like these are uh, 
it's not lost on me. So like I'm feeling, I'm feeling the progress and really moved again for young people. I met um, one of the recent U of M grads at their post showcase party this year. And they were attending um, in a dress. I wouldn't call, and I wouldn't say like a full beat, maybe a little smoky liner, but <laughs> that was how they felt. That was how they expressed. And I just never in a million years when I was at Michigan um, would have been comfortable enough to be in that space like that. Okay. So it, it's happening. It's happening. Um, but yeah, we, we're... We're pioneering. Yeah, we're, we're out there doing, doing the Lord's work. <laughs> Hell yes. Well, Alexis, before I let you go, I have a series of rapid-fire musical theater slash life questions that I ask all of my guests. Are you ready? Ready for action, baby. <laughs> okay. Sondheim or Andrew Lloyd Webber? Sondheim. Sweatpants or jeans? Oh. <laughs> wow, stumped. Um, <laughs> jeans. Wow. Do you have a favorite musical? Into the Woods Follies. <laughs> I love that one. Uh, do you have a least favorite musical? <laughs> This is always the point where everyone's like, you can't publish this. I know you want rapid fire. And so no. I'm sorry. <laughs> it never, it never is. Um, I, there are some shows that you see that are forgettably bad. And then there are some shows that you see that are memorably bad. And I saw a show that was memorably bad this year. Um, and by contrast, I saw uh, another fairy tale uh takedown um, recently uh, once upon a one more time and I am the theater purist that went into that show with zero expectations mm -hmm. I was rather taken with it I would venture to say almost blown away oh my god um, it's not Shakespeare but <laughs> but a, 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 you know a patriarchal fairy tale feminist takedown set to Britney Spears music feels so correct in America. Yes. Um, and uh, the, the whole cast I thought was sensational and um, uh, Briga making her debut mm -hmm. was sensational. An absolute star. Oh, I cannot wait to see it. Oh my God. See it. See it. See it. I absolutely will. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Night owl. What is the craziest thing a director has ever asked you to do? <laughs> I can't think of a crazy thing that's been asked of me from a director. Um, so I'm going to actually share. I'm, I'm pivoting. I'm, I'm changing your question. Do um, it. Do it. Uh, my first summer in Erlachman, I was cast in in a lead role in the intermediate operetta and this incredible educator named Dude Stevenson. He was staging my first entrance, my first scene, and I went to take a step and I crossed my left 
leg across my right and turned my body with my shoulders facing the audience, facing uh -huh. downstage. And he stopped me and said, no, no, no. You always put your best foot forward. And it was a way of teaching me about what it meant to play out and not, you know, cut yourself off and to keep it open. Um, but also, I think there was something powerful about like, taking your, your, your best step forward. Mm. It, was, it wasn't crazy, but it was uh, something that has stayed with me all these years. I love it. Are you a golden age or contemporary musical theater lover? Golden. I know the answer. <laughs> golden age. Uh, do you have a favorite role that you've ever played? Honestly, Horton, the elephant. Oh, in Susico. That was my first show I ever did. I was Jojo. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, did, I did Horton in Ann Arbor in a youth production, uh, also starring Ashley Park as, oh <laughs> as Maisie. Um, Fierce. And after school, after college, I did it uh, at the Wagon Wheel Theater in Warsaw, Indiana. I played Mr. Yes. Mayor. <laughs> Come on, wagon wheel. Um, okay, this question is could be interesting because obviously you have a an extensive wardrobe of costumes. But do you have a favorite costume that you have ever worn? Oh my gosh! Again, this this becomes long form. Um, so <laughs> I'm not mad about it. Specifically, costume because I see clothing and costume not necessarily as the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, I think a rather sentimental favorite costume is a few years ago at DragCon in New York, I served a full Sunset Boulevard fantasy. Yes, you did. With a very tall backdrop that looked like Norma Staircase. And um, I did three different Norma looks. And on the first day, I did Norma's first entrance in the musical. So the black silk pajamas, the gold and black uh, burnout robe, turban, the lavalier. I mean, um, it's, I, I, I wouldn't call it understated. That was a fancy look, but there is something easy about it because it's loungewear, but very glamorous loungewear. Um, and that I love, I love that costume also because finding the right silk burnout for the robe was near impossible. I thought it was going to be easy. I was calling. Bianca Del Rio told me that the fabric that they designed Glenn's robe with was a custom fabric. And I was like, it can't be that hard to get um, a black uh, a black fabric with gold Chinese medallions in a silk burnout. I was like, easy. I was wrong. <laughs> um, in the end, I had to buy something as close as I could find in brown silk, and I dyed it black. Wow. <laughs> so that's, that's the favorite costume, but the favorite garment, as of right now, it's ever-changing, but I have had this thing in my drag career where it's like, I'll reach a new height where I'm like, this dress. I'm like, this is the best thing I've ever worn. This is the best thing I've ever worn. This is the best thing I've ever worn. When mm -hmm. I had my fitting for my red finale gown for All Stars 8, I was like, oh, I'm going to win. I oh. felt like it in that dress, um, and that was very special. That gown was extraordinary, if I do say so myself. 
Um, have you ever missed an entrance? Okay, this is weird. I don't think I have, but I'll tell you what I've done more than once is like be about to make an entrance and realize I don't have the mic on. Oh no. <laughs> twice, twice. Once, once in high school at Interlochen and once at Summerstock. I have absolutely done that as well. Or I've gotten like fully into Mary Sunshine regalia and then been like, oh my God, I have to take it all off to put my mic on. <laughs> How that happens, I don't know, but I, don't know. I connect to that. And do you have a dream role? I feel like I'd be remiss since we're talking together and we share this love and you obviously have tangible professional experience in this production of Chicago, but getting to see Jinx make her debut so smashingly um, as Mama in Chicago was incredible to witness. Her artistry, the energy in the theater, the queer people in theater, um, and also as like a bit of encouragement to be like, yes, girl, that dream that you have always had too, like that dream is still alive. Right. The Chicago, I, I've said this jokingly, but it's true. Like I'll play anybody in Chicago. I'll, I'll play the ghost light. Uh, <laughs> and um, outside of that, I feel in my spirit that my like, I am very simpatico with the character Vita Boem from Tuanti. Oh, come on. And I saw it in its earliest development and it had an, another reading since and now it's going to be worked on in the UK this year. And so mm -hmm. I uh, want to throw my hat in the ring. Um, back over you heard it here first, ladies and gents on the pod. Well, I cannot wait to get the opportunity to do Chicago with you. It will absolutely happen. We're speaking it into the universe right now. Manifestation. Yes. Um, okay, my last question for you, which I ask every single guest, is what is one thing that you would tell younger Alex Alexis? Being all the things that you are is beautiful and something to be celebrated, not tolerated. Mm, celebrated, mm. not tolerated. I, I remember when I was younger, people used the word tolerate or tolerant. And I feel like over time that that word has not aged well. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously there, there's uses for it, but when it comes to something intrinsically about somebody or someone's identity, and that's never something to be tolerated. Absolutely. I love that. Well, Alex, thank you so, so much for being on the pod. You are an absolute delight to speak to. Um, would you tell the listeners where they can find you on socials and, and keep up with your next tour? Well, yes. Find me uh, on Instagram and TikTok at Alexis Michelle Official. And um, I'm still on the still on the bogus one, you know, the X one, I think is Alexis Glenn. So, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, keep up with my socials. Uh, you'll see all of the tour dates for which perfect as well as my cabaret dates as they become solidified. Yes. I cannot wait. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
You guys, that's it for another episode of Oh My Pod, you guys. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you listen to the pod. It's super helpful. And you can follow the show on Instagram at Oh My Pod, you guys. Thanks so much for listening. Talk soon. Bye. Oh my pod, oh my pod, you guys. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.